Hello and welcome to The Dirt in association with Beer 52. Keep listening to find out how you can get your hands on eight craft beers for free. Just pay postage. In the meantime, this is the show that is mulch ado about nothing. I'm Laura, editor of Grow Your Own magazine. And I'm Laura's sidekick, Blake. Later, we'll have all the latest gardening gossip and a roundup of jobs to keep your autumn plot in tip-top condition. But first, cast your minds back to the start of Series 1, where I interviewed my dad with my boss, Natalie. And as a beginner allotmenteer, today we welcome her onto the dirt to share her growing successes and failures. Hi, Natalie, and welcome back. Hi, Laura. Hi, Blake. How are you both? Hello. It's great to have you back. I know, especially after our particularly wonderful episode with your dad, Laura. I (laughs) loved Henry (laughs) so much. His expertise on potatoes will stay with me for the rest of my life. (laughs) Well, he'll be very flattered. I always tell people to go and listen to that episode because it's just so charming. He's so charming and he had so many useful pointers and... um, yeah, it's worth listening to for sure. Yeah, and I can definitely tell Laura that you are the beneficiary of many gluts, many, <laughs> yeah. many different types of vegetables. I certainly am. I certainly am. I either come home from come home from their house or they come to my house with bags of vegetables. And I am very grateful for that, <laughs> especially oh, the potatoes. Bless Henry. <laughs> of course the potatoes. Henry is Mr. Potato, the original Mr. Potato. <laughs> And how is how has your allotment been going this year, Natalie? Have you um, been growing lots? Yeah, I have actually. So I'm in my fourth year of having an allotment and I just want to hold my hands up now and make it very, very clear that I am a beginner <laughs> gardener. So this interview will feature a lot of the lessons that I have learned and the disasters that I have come <laughs> across. But no, it's been really good. Like a lot of the nation, um, we've all been working from home. So I have a bit more time to spend down at the allotment. Not that that has prevented uh, the aforementioned disasters from happening, (laughs) but no, it's been really, really good. And each year I try and challenge myself by growing something different or something new. Um, And I've had a fair few successes that I can tell you about as well. Ah, Well, that's actually where we like to kick off. So do you want to tell us about some of your gardening successes? Yeah, of course. So I think I'm going to tell you about the new things that I've grown this year. Mm -hmm. So I get set challenges by my partner he likes to look at seed catalogs and say why don't you give that a go and one of the things um, that he challenged me to is to grow Malabar spinach this year I don't know if you guys Mm. have come across this before yes I haven't grown it but it looks really really tasty so I think the impetus behind this was the fact that I cannot grow salad so it just falls susceptible to slugs I just can't seem to keep them away so Malabar spinach was a little bit more attractive to me because it grows up um supports so I could keep them away from the pesky slugs and that has actually done so so well this year after what seemed like about six weeks that it took to start going and actually get off the ground it's really brilliant and then I saw um on Gardener's World recently that Adam Frost has grown it for the first time this year as well so I felt like a strange kind of affinity (laughs) to Adam in this year of growing so that's done really nicely and it's it's kind of like a tougher type of spinach so when you cook it it doesn't like mulch down into this slimy nothingness it actually kind of holds its shape a little bit more so no that was a real success I'm really really pleased about that one when you're 
picking out new things to grow do you think about what you're going to do with them at the end or is it just more the process of actually growing something new because I know for me I sometimes forget that I've got to eat it at the end and then (laughs) I'm like oh I need to find a recipe to use this up in. Okay so an example of how I definitely have not done that this year (laughs) with the Malabar spinach that was like the aim of the game is to grow um, some kind of salad that would not be ransacked by slugs and that I could actually get into my mouth so that one was a big tick. But the one that I did not think through was kohlrabi. So I grew kohlrabi because it was one purple and two looked like a little baby uh, alien. And then I grew it like really successfully. I was really, really excited. And then one of the most embarrassing moments on my allotment happened where I was starting to harvest it. I was really excited. I was showing Ollie, my partner, and this group of like fellow allotmenteers who like I'm quite friendly with came over that, oh, I've never seen this before what have you grown and I was like oh I've grown some kohlrabi and they're like oh so what what is that then and and how do you eat it and and what does it taste like I had no answers (laughs) at all I literally have grown it because I like the look of it so that taught me a very valuable lesson in do your research before you plant anything because you will be grilled by other Mm. allotmenteers and they will look at you like you are thick I think sometimes when you're speaking to really experienced people as well like that then that just you know, saying I liked the look or the colour just doesn't yeah. really... No, it doesn't cut it. No, it doesn't. I just had six faces just completely blank. <laughs> like, why have you grown this then? You had no idea what you were doing. You just liked the look of it. Okay, fine. So yeah, that was an interesting one. What did you do with it in the end? So Laura, slight confession. I have a harvest of about eight and I have eaten one. Oh. <laughs> so I have, uh, I sliced it up and I had it in a salad. I roasted mm. it. And actually, it was really, really tasty. Um, but one of uh, my allotment neighbours, he's from Poland, and he told me that the top third of it you can eat raw and mm. is really, really tasty. And he went on like a speech about it, about how it's so wonderful and how I need to do, like how I need to eat this. And I was like, I've literally eaten one of them. And I had to nod along like, oh, yes, that sounds lovely. Oh, yes, I will definitely do that. Thinking, oh, God, okay, right. I now need to go and harvest the seven that are massive <laughs> on my own. <laughs> and start chomping my way through them Um, but no it was a really it was a really good success this year I was really pleased and then um, my last one which is a really like standard vegetable or fruit is I've never grown cucumbers Mm. Um, so I decided to grow cucumbers and when I decided to do it I thought oh yeah I'll I'll grow a couple of plants and uh, and now I have two plants two plants is too many Two plants is far too many. I needed one plant and I'm just chomping through endless um, cucumbers at the moment. And they're kind of now in my mind grouped into the same collective as courgettes where Mm. I have so many that I now dump them at uh, neighbours' doorsteps (laughs) and run. (laughs) I would say though, they're definitely one of the things I think that taste the most different to a shop-bought version. Do you think... Yeah, because I think sometimes, I mean, it might just be when you get an iffy cucumber, but you know when they're just (laughs) watery? Yeah, they're a bit sludgy. Yeah, and then the ones that you grow yourself, you're like, oh, they actually do taste a bit of something. I think I've become taste blind because I have eaten probably around... 
eight to 10 Mm. cucumbers in the last maybe three weeks. So I think I need to regain my love of cucumbers, but it's really exciting to watch them grow. And I've been really proud that I've actually managed to get them growing. Um, But yeah, I think one plant for next year is more than enough. It's such a fine line, isn't it? Because you don't want to not put enough in and then not end up with any yes exactly harvest but then you end up with too much I get too excited at the sowing stage when things germinate and I have to thin things out that's my worst nightmare (laughs) I have made life and I don't want to throw anything away (laughs) and then I end up with three courgette plants and two cucumbers and living in a glut nightmare so yeah I need to become more ruthless and kill more things in future but for the time being I'm doing all right um, but one of my main successes of this year is sweet corn actually have you guys grown sweet corn before? no never no. I'm a bit scared of growing it they're so tall and <laughs> my garden's too small so well, actually I've grown it in a tiny bit of my allotment I've actually got two allotments now I inherited one I was given one by an allotment neighbor Ken who was like my allotment dad and he was wonderful mm-hmm. but so I've been on a bit of a journey with um, my sweet corn so I've had my allotment for four years for three of those years I have tried growing sweet corn with horrific results so first year I managed to generate something called uh corn smut on oh, my sweet yeah. corn yes so did it looks it? like <laughs> right I didn't know Laura I didn't know that it's a delicacy and I thought some kind of hideous disease had besieged my sweet corn and it is like grey aliens like climbing out of the cobs isn't it, it I was, imagine getting served that in a restaurant it was like it was terrifying I went up to so I was really excited this is my first time growing them I kept checking them to make sure that they were turning yellow and they were really really slowly turning yellow and I came back onto the plot approached my uh, sweet corn bed to find these like gray growths like spewing out of the cobs and I I'm quite embarrassed to admit this but I was quite scared I don't know why but it really quite terrified me and then the next day I came back showed my partner and we just got rid of the entire crop because I thought well Mm. some disease has got in and I've got the devil growing out of my sweet corn so got rid and then after some research discovered that it was a delicacy in Mexico and people pay money to eat it but I suppose even if you had known that would you have wanted to eat it anyway I mean that's a very good point it looked hideous so that was year one that was my disaster of year one so I went on to year two undeterred thinking yes I will grow some sweet corn and then um so I then sweet corn takes forever to grow as well so you have to really put some love into it and I came onto the plot one weekend because I previously to working from home I'd only ever really go down at the weekends and there's a lovely man called Alan who really like takes care of things and comes and chats to me and tells me tips and things and he rushed up to me as I was coming through the gates and said to me oh Natalie um, I think you've had a bit of a problem on your plot I was like, oh, Alan, what's happened? He was like, well, you come down and and I'll come with you. And as we walked down, I could see all my sweet corn spires like heading out in different directions, like a horrible gale force wind had come through them. And as I like approached the bed, like some animal, we're thinking maybe a badger or um, a munchak deer had come in and had the time of its life and had just eaten the entire crop. So that was my year two experience. And you know when like you're next to like an old, 
older man who's really calm. He's really brilliant with growing. And all I wanted to do was just swear at the top <laughs> of my lungs. I was like, no, keep it together. Keep it together. This is only sweet corn. Um, and then, yeah, so that was year two. But year three, we essentially built like a badger fortress. And I now have sweet corn for the first time. And Yay. it's very exciting. So that's my biggest success of this year. I'm so pleased. So I feel like we've dipped our toe into um, some of your nightmarish situations, <laughs> but uh, I know that you've got a lot. And also how you can learn from them. <laughs> yeah, I do like, I try to b- bounce back from my failures as much as I can, because it's all part of the process, really. I wouldn't learn anything if I didn't give it a go. So, and more often than not, I have an absolute nightmare the first time around. And then the second time it seems to come around, like I seem to do okay. Um, but yeah, no, that is a massive part of my growing experience. So I have many failures that I can tell you about. <laughs> so many. <laughs> well, yeah. Shall we? I'll shall crack we kick on. Back and- <laughs> yeah, kick back. guys, I'll take it from here. You just use you. You, uh, you take a load off, get a cup of tea. Um, so actually, I'm going to tell you a really quick story, um, probably from my first year. Actually, so a guy that I mentioned um, before, Ken. He um, was my allotment neighbor and then he moved away and gave me his allotment. So I now have two allotments side by side. I didn't know that you had two allotments. I have two allotments, Blake. (laughs) I may be thoroughly crap at gardening, but I have two allotments. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he, he passed over all of this knowledge to me in my first year. And he was genuinely so, so wonderful. I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't working with you guys at the time, so I didn't have the, uh, the benefit of asking you questions but so I would do things like I would plant brassicas and then just walk away from them and I'd come back at the weekend the following week to find that bless Ken he had netted everything for me he's such a lovely man and one one weekend like I came down to the plot and he had unearthed quite literally my Ray-Ban sunglasses that I had clearly buried somewhere (laughs) on my allotment and I strung them up with a bit of string so that I'd find them so that's the kind of man that he was he was just wonderful so when he moved away he gave me his plot but he had a second plot elsewhere on the site and there he had loads of asparagus and he would tell me continuously about the fact that he would get 400 spears every year and he had a rivalry with somebody else on the plot and I am not entirely convinced that this was a friendly rivalry (laughs) I think that they hated each other Um, so when he left he said well you have to go and you have to dig up some of my asparagus crowns because I've had them for seven years. You can plant them on your plot and you'll have a real head start. So under like the uh, the cloak of darkness, me and Ollie <laughs> went into this other plot. Nobody had had it at that point. Um, Ken was just about to leave and we dug up this asparagus crown and planted it. And if you can imagine, like I'm really new to gardening, I'd only ever seen Ken's asparagus in the autumn. So when it's really, really tall and looks much like a tree, like a big bush. So cut to the following spring when I went down and I was just doing a bit of weeding and I found on my asparagus crown site, these zombie fingers, I stretching out, out of the ground. And it really freaked me out. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> so I quickly Googled it and it was the asparagus. I genuinely thought that asparagus grew on a tree. 
I thought there was like a central stem and the asparagus would come off like branches. I was not <laughs> expecting zombie fingers. So that is like a little bit, it wasn't really a failure, but it was more about how ridiculous I am sometimes. But I also like the theme of things that look like aliens turning up and shocking you on your plot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a brave new world. I'm just constantly exploring. I hope somebody's just walked in on somebody else listening to this podcast and it's like, what the hell are you listening to? I know. (laughs) What happens on her plot? The love of God. Um, But yeah, so that is a little story about my asparagus journey. Um, But little failures that I've had, like really simple failures. I didn't realise that when you plant carrots, you need to sieve the soil or get out um, all of the big rocks. And I had the most mutant carrots in my first year. So mutant that I gave some to my Nana so that she could cook them. Instead of cooking them, she took it to her friends. My Nana is in her mid eighties and they all laughed about how all her carrots (laughs) looked like they had little willies. And she had the time of her life with those. So yeah, really small little failures like that. And I since learned, you know, to sieve the soil and now I have perfectly straight carrots. But part of me thinks that my Nana still would like some willy carrots to share with her friends but there you are um, that did not go in the direction I thought that story was going in <laughs> and then just general failures is that I have never ever managed to grow peas ever I don't know oh. how people do it I for some reason mine always crisp up and die they never grow more than a foot I don't know if you have I've never thought actually to ask you for some pea advice do you know I grow mine in um containers and they grow really really well so maybe do doing that instead of in yeah if you've got some um mine are just in troughs I get loads and loads and loads I'll of stop peas boasting <laughs> Sorry. I had a- uh, next year I'll give you some <laughs> just to rub it I in. had a crop of seven Blake literally oh. seven so okay so maybe I should do containers and I think perhaps that I'm a bit too um laissez-faire with my watering I think I need to be more attentive to the peas are you watering yours loads I give mine a lot of water yeah I, I think it might just depend on where you are as well my nan can't grow them in her garden at all they just get infested with maggots and the pigeons eat them so I think it's just luck of the draw perhaps but um yeah I've certainly had a lot of a lot of peas this year sorry Natalie well I had so in the first instance I obviously grew them at home I don't have a greenhouse which is a continuing frustration of my life um but I carefully grew these peas in my um toilet Uh, roll tubes I planted them out then pigeons ransacked them then I thought no don't be deterred I netted them and I staked them and I built like a crazy rope system to help them grow they did not grow I then transplanted them somewhere else to help them grow fun fact don't transplant peas that doesn't work they just instantly died (laughs) so yeah I think next year peas will be my main target and maybe I'll just copy you Blake you can send me a picture of your troughs and I'm literally just going to use exactly the same as you said earlier I think it's like there's like a three-year cycle you get like a really bad year and then you have to get a year that you're like well this is I've got something at least. And then the year after that is when it really kicks in and you're like, I am now a pro at growing this crop. Are you saying that I'm basically going to go from seven to 700? Is this this the trajectory of my peas? And if you have too many next year, I will take some off your hands because I cannot get enough of them. Okay, right. We'll do a deal. That sounds good. 
I do think that's one of the problems with growing peas is that even if you have success with peas, do any of them get back to the kitchen? They're one of, those, yeah. one of those crops, you know? That's the same with strawberries. Um, yeah. My partner, Ollie, does not realise that he gets probably about 10% of the strawberries <laughs> that we have on the allotment. They are for me, purely just for me as allotment snacks. I absolutely love them. Yeah. So yeah, no, very much like peas. Um. Would you be able to tell us about any sneaky shortcuts or handy little tips that you've come across? Yeah, definitely. So I've got one quick one for you, which is I've really enjoyed growing squashes and pumpkins over the last two years. I did it for the first year last year. Um, And something that I read, which has saved me, is when you plant your squashes or your pumpkins, put a stake where the planting site is. Because in six weeks, two months time, your entire allotment, and genuinely my entire allotment, is covered in tendrils. So you don't actually know where you need to water at all so by putting those stakes in you can easily find out where the root ball is and water directly onto that rather than having to pick your way through a tendril dunk oh, that is so that handy. Is such a good tip i know it's the simplest tips that are the best i think <laughs> just put a stake in and that's all you need to do but yeah that's uh, that's been a really good um, tip for me and actually in my first year this is another like failure slash panic uh, I planted about six or seven squash plants and then I realised that I had about 40 flowers coming off these tendrils. And at that point, I thought all flowers equals fruit. So I was trying to hatch this elaborate plan of where I was going to store my 40 squashes <laughs> and pumpkins. I was like, oh God, are we going to have to put them in the loft? Am I going to have to clear out the loft? And that is where we're going to store these. Because I don't really have a shed. I don't have a greenhouse. But I've since learned that not all flowers equals fruit. Mm. Thank God. <laughs> um, but my my main uh, shortcuts and tips are to do with getting free stuff. So would you like to know my best tricks? Oh, I knew you were going to have some of these. (laughs) Always good. Of course. Thrifty, Natalie. Thrifty, tight as you like, Natalie. So I get like a bit of a thrill when I get something for free because I think I've somehow cheated the system. Um, So my first big um, tip, and actually this kind of links into my growing style anyway, is in my first like couple of years, I was, um, my allotment, I had dug it over and I wasn't doing no dig at that point. Um, and I was growing into directly into the beds, but I realized that actually splitting up my allotment and having raised beds and having, um, little containers mm. would help me so much. Cause I only have a really small window of time to do gardening cause I have a full-time job. So if I knew that I could go down at a weekend and I was just going to focus on two raised beds and I could leave the rest of it and I do that next weekend, it would really help me squash the fear. Cause I get a bit of fear around going back to the allotment after a couple of weeks of not being there of like the state mm. that it's going to be in Mm. so that really helps so I thought right how can I make these raised beds um on a limited budget so on um on a walk around where I live I went past the local Travis Perkins and I realized that they had all of these pallet collars stacked up and I don't know if you know what pallet collars are but they are essentially um what holds big tall towers of pallets together so they are uh, in a rectangular shape and they have really great hinges in the corners Uh, I think they're steel Um, And they're brilliant for making raised beds. So me being me and liking to ask a cheeky question, I called up TPs 
spoke to a man called Keith, who I would refer to as my best friend repeatedly <laughs> in this conversation to try and win him over. And I essentially said to him, look, I'm, I'm really on the hunt for some palette collars. I need about nine for my plot. I've spotted that you have some in the yard. Is there any chance that you could either sell some to me or I could take the broken ones? And he said, yeah, of course you can. Come oh. down with a van. We'll load you up. That's not a problem at all. So I would really, really recommend that if you've got a local building yard or if you've got a Travis Perkins and you can see that they've got some pallet collars, give them a call and see if they've got any extras that you can take. Because Keith, bless him, was such a superstar. And um, my, uh, I told this story to my mum and my mum was desperate for me to bake him a cake oh. and take him a cake to say thank you. I was like, I cannot walk into Travis Perkins with a cake. That is not, <laughs> that is not a natural environment for handmade baked goods. <laughs> so uh, so yeah so that's my first freebie tip that's so good you don't ask you don't get do you so no, like, exactly. sometimes you've just got to ask so what did you do with it did you just fill it yeah. cover the bottom and then fill it with compost so I just plonked them straight onto um the beds that I dug over oh also a quick side note to this not before my dad had helped me level the ground but in doing so dug what we later referred to as the Osborne Trench he had like, <laughs> to level out this ground he had dug himself a little canal <laughs> alongside the bed so that was fun to have to do it like deal with that again and fill it back in but so we just laid them on top of the open ground and then I backfilled them with um, some soil that I had from my garden and actually they've worked so well because in um, our allotment site there's quite a few empty plots um, and we get a lot of seed heads that blow over from Mm. those empty plots Mm -hmm. but having the raised edges of the raised beds means that they don't actually get into the soil as easily so that's really really helped with um, like my weeding situation I don't get as many weeds and also the second thing that I got for free has acted together with my um, pallet collars to mean that I don't really have that many slugs anymore. And the next free thing is wood chip. Wood chip is my saviour. So I have wood chip paths now in between my um, my raised beds, and I got this for free by messaging um, a local like wood yard or timber yard um, on Instagram. Actually, I popped them a little message to say I'm a, a local allotment here, and I'd really love some wood chip. If you're doing a local job, would you mind like upending the wood chip onto the site, and then I could use it? And the guy said to me, "Yeah, absolutely. That's not a problem. We're working really close by at the weekend. I'll come drop you some," oh, wow. which was brilliant. But a slight caveat to that is that he did it whilst I was at work. And then I came down to discover that he had completely blocked access for the other allotments. And he had had upended an entire tipper load, which is huge, (laughs) mountainous of wood chip. So late that night, in darkness, Ollie and I were shoveling and wheelbarrowing all of this wood chip out of the middle of the allotment road. But I got free wood chip. And actually, um, I was the the allotment here of the moment. I had lots of different people on the site coming up to me and asking me if they could have a cheeky little 
little bit. So I was very popular for about a week. Um, but yeah, I'd really encourage you to reach out like to the listeners to reach out um, to any timber yards and just ask them, have you mm. got any spares, anything going free that I could grab from you? I hit, it was, it was really useful for them. It meant that they didn't have to drive it home, um, back to the yard. Um, and I got it for free, which was brilliant. You feel like you're being really cheeky, but actually I think they're probably just happy to get rid of it, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if they don't need it. So. Definitely. Yeah. So no, and that, having that, that, um, those wood chip paths means that it's that much harder for the slugs and snails to, to crawl across. So I think I've done a bit of a, a number on them so they don't really get to my vegetable. Maybe I could grow some salad, guys. Maybe this is my time. <laughs> yeah, this is the year. <laughs> also, I like how that was a two-pronged tip, the money-saving tip and the slug tip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, two for the price <laughs> of one there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I know we've already covered off some of the lessons that you've learned throughout your time growing, but if you had to pick an individual standout thing as the biggest lesson that you've learned, what would you say that would be? So I think um, for me, this is kind of a theme of um, me having an allotment. So I didn't actually choose to have an allotment. Um, my partner surprised me with the allotment. Oh, wow. He like on a very, very, I get told this story on a very, very rainy, horrendous day, he met a random woman on an allotment site who gave him the keys and said, right, this is yours, off you go. <laughs> um, and then he presented me with um, with these keys on my birthday. And I was a really keen gardener, you need to underline, you know, beginner gardener. And I had mentioned that I'd like an allotment and that I'd like to learn how to grow fruit and veg, but I hadn't made any moves to do it. Mm. So when Ollie said to me, right, you've got an allotment, let's go. I had a bit of, of fear. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is a huge site that I'm going to have to be responsible for. And I'm going to have to really work hard at. And I was a bit worried that I would fail. So I think having the allotment and learning that failure is all part of the process. And actually, it can be quite funny mm. to be honest when I have mutant carrots and my nana is sniggering with her friends about the willies <laughs> like the failures aren't actually that bad and I think it's the sense of community that it's brought me as well like it's taught me to be more resilient it's brought me in touch with people that I would never have met otherwise who are genuinely just such wonderful wonderful people like Ken who I had next to me there's a lady Maureen on the other side of me Alan who just gives me so much advice I would never have met them had it not for bit to be my allotment mm. um, and I think also it's a it's a lovely thing for me to be able to talk to my grandparents about mm. you know they've <laughs> been growing fruit and veg for years and years and it's something that we now have in common and I can ask for their advice and it really bridges generational gaps doesn't it, um, it does. you can speak to people that you wouldn't necessarily have things in common with but that you now suddenly do exactly I think the a, a massive like moment for me was um, this last Christmas, my grandpa gave me my great, great grandpa's spade, my great, great grandpa Emmett. Oh. He handed me his spade. Oh, wow. I could actually cry now, guys, but oh. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it in. I was very good at the moment and I crushed down the urge to cry. <laughs> no, do not cry. Um, but no, it was such a special moment when he gave that to me. And I will cherish that now forever. Yeah. And I'll pass it down to my children or to somebody else. Like I'll do a Ken yeah. and I'll meet somebody else yeah. on the plot 
who could do with some advice and their brassicas netting. But that's been my biggest lesson is to feel the fear, do it anyway, and to reap the, the rewards, which aren't necessarily edible. They're the friendships that you make, the conversations that you have, the people that you meet. I think that's my biggest lesson. That's a really, really lovely lesson as well. Yeah. I'm going to go cry in a corner now, guys. <laughs> yeah, sorry for making you cry. Well, yeah, while we, uh, while we let you go and cry in a corner, we would say it's been lovely chatting to you about all of your allotment escapades. And thank you so much for coming on. I'm not going to say the words career highlight, but I think this is up there. <laughs> I actually think the career highlight was the Henry Hillier episode. Yes. <laughs> I think the listeners need to go back and, and track that one because that was absolutely hilarious. That man has so much knowledge. I think my episode or my interview is, is more based around the things that I do wrong continuously, but it's a learning process and I enjoy learning about it. So no. But thank you guys so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. No, thank you. And Blake, we should um, go and grab Rose for our team chat. Yes, let's. Hi, Rose. Welcome back Hi. after your week off. Hello. Thank you. And happy birthday for last oh, week. Oh, yes. The big two four. The big two four. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's not quite 25, but I still feel old. So <laughs> the big two four in my eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like there's going to be listeners right oh, now yeah. across the country. Oh, like, I'm so, hey, so I've, already, I've already had that from everyone. I'm like, I'm so old now. And then someone, uh, my boyfriend thought I was 25 and I was like, 25? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, oh. I do. Simp- I am. I d- yes, I am young, but I feel old. I feel really old. But yeah, it was lovely. Oh yeah, it was really nice. Got up to lots of lots of exploring and walks. So that was good. Lovely. That sounds amazing. Yeah, how was um? How was your interview with Natalie? So oh, it was good. So good. She had so much good stuff to say. Do you know what? Because I think when you're working with somebody and you're in a work environment, you don't always get. We just don't have the time always to talk about how yeah her allotments going and stuff so there was like loads of information and stuff that I didn't even know yeah. which is it's cool. funny actually because um I we follow Natalie on um Instagram from the grow your own account um shout out to the account to go follow if you don't already um and like I see her things pop up all the time that like her and her allotment but it's probably good to actually sort of hear from her exactly what she's up to at the moment so. yeah and she came with a very long list of um garden fails which is always Aww, nice with a strong alien theme actually <laughs> yeah oh, really <laughs> you have to go back and listen yeah, yeah. i'm intrigued now wow <laughs> aliens popped up in there but, oh. <laughs> um so news story from me this week uh, i was reading over the weekend about how a new flower market started up in chiswick so chiswick flower market and it's the first one to start in london for 150 years which is such a long time what? wow I know. That's crazy. I can't believe no more have started before that. But anyway, yeah, good that that's it has. Really yeah. good. Uh, and the launch thing to go really, really well. It's like an outdoor market, lots of local businesses. Um, and it was really busy. They had a socially distanced queue going all the way down the street, which is nice that um, that lots of people, there was a lot of demand for it. So I think they're going to mm. be there the first um, weekend of every month. Is it just flowers? I think there's flowers, plants. Um, there might be some more grow your own themed things mm. as well. I think it's more 
they're more going on the houseplants and flowers right. thing. That's so nice though, isn't it? It's good that something nice like that has um, sprouted out of lockdown. It's weird that no one thought of to do that before, but maybe sometimes it takes something like as scary as like lockdown for people to be like, you know what, let's bring some colour back. Like if we can yeah. do it in a socially distanced way, then let's go for it. So I'll definitely, I'll have to look online for some pictures. Yeah, yeah. I quite want to go maybe like the next time that I'm mm. in London over the weekend that it's happening, I might pop along and see it. Um, and yeah. have a little look around and maybe make some purchases. But yeah, it's been started up by, I think, quite an active local community. Like a, um, they've done other things in the mm-hmm. local community as well. So I think um, the idea behind it was that it might revitalize the local high street. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's something that a lot of places have to think about now and um, with people shopping online. So uh, it gives people a reason to go into the town and then also by default hopefully shop at the local um, shops and restaurants and cafes. Mm. So It does sound like a really great community thing because you can see that if it, as it grows in popularity and stuff you'll get the regulars there and everyone can have a nice yeah. socially distanced mm-hmm. chat to each other. There were some famous faces Lovely. there at the weekend as well including Nikki Chapman, TV presenter, Jeremy mm-hmm. Vine, um, mm-hmm. Gardeners World's Ara Anderson and even Mr. Plant Geek. So, so good they had such um, high profile support. Yeah, absolutely. I I think everybody really wants to support them. I think like the whole 150 years thing means that like people are like, come on, let's make sure this is a success. Do you think they were waiting for that like really big milestone to launch? They were like, I know, we'll (laughs) wait. We're going to launch last year, but they're like, 149 years just doesn't (laughs) sound quite as impressive. No, it's got to be Like we've made it this far. We may as well (laughs) wait an extra year to get to 150. Yeah, I reckon so. But speaking of supporting things, I want to ask you both about support in your gardens now the thing that's led me to ask you this is I was having a little look around online and I saw that hello has um a little look at the rich brothers gardens sort of behind the scenes and everything and obviously they are on garden rescue which led me to wonder if you were going to have a garden rescue in your gardens what needs rescuing? Wait, so I've actually never seen this show, which is bad, I know, I and I should go and watch it. I think I would really like it if I um, did. So just explain the format for us. What is the, is the idea that they come in and overhaul something? Yeah, they overhaul your garden and give it a new lease of life and rescue it. So yeah, I think for mine, but I was more looking at it from a, is there a specific job that you would like help with? I think my main one, probably unsurprisingly to everybody, is it doesn't matter how many times I prune, I always feel nervous about pruning. Mm. So I think that I would like somebody to come into my garden invited not a burglar and um <laughs> just to make that just get you know do the pruning just in case <laughs> anyone out. got any ideas like a phantom i didn't steal anything i just came in and pruned a i mean in actual her. fact if that's all they were gonna do as long as they knew what they were doing <laughs> yeah it's probably true, fine. burglars welcome <laughs> <laughs> so what would you guys choose um, actually right now, I think it would be to help me just tidy up some of the spent plants and, and get everything looking a bit cleaner and tidier again. Um, that would be quite nice just because it gets to this time of year and I'm not always, don't always want to do it. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Full of absolutely. enthusiasm in spring, but now, yeah, that would be a real I know exactly hand. what you mean there, yeah. I think mine would be maybe our decking, like a nice outdoor, because I'm sure they do like outdoorsy sort of loungy areas, but mm. uh, maybe a nice like decking area, because I don't know if any of you have decking, but after a while it does go a bit rotten and you have to replace it. And mm. Ours is definitely like beyond that. Uh, also our pond needs to, basically, I still live at home, but I'm sure there's, there's so much in our garden that could be rescued. <laughs> the pond, the shed, we recently, to be fair, put up a new shed, but um, if anyone's ever put up a shed before, like the shouts that were coming from the garden from my dad like <laughs> about the shed was not very positive oh, no. um maybe like someone coming in and sort of like picking out like the colors of the plants that should go sort of in the right places Ooh, maybe nice yes. you have to have a I real totally eye for yeah, that, don't you? yeah. Well. whereas um yeah like my mum's quite good at it like she does sort of think like oh well this is yellow so that'll go next to this go well next to this purpley one but at the same time we kind of bung them in and just be like I, I also do. <laughs> think as well as that I think that's such a great point and I'd like to add that onto mine please as well because I think the problem that I have is I just grow what I want to grow and then there's none of that you know when like all of the heights look nice near each other like graduating down and everything looks like it's happened on purpose but also looks natural Mine's very much like, oh, I wanted to grow that, so I just put it in the ground. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I think I'd like to join you in that one, Rose. That's why I feel like if you're a garden designer, that's why you sort of go and have all of the training and everything, because it is such a skill to be able to do that, to sort of plan out a garden so all the colours match and the plants are the same height. Because it's quite difficult knowing like how high everything's going to be and sort of like planning it out and everything. So hats off yeah. to the Rich Brothers for knowing how to do that. Absolutely. So. Um, I have a story to do with 2021 garden trends. Uh, I'm Ooh. scared that already it, we're looking towards 2021. I feel like, where has 2020 gone? Although I'm quite pleased that it's nearly over. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a study from um, Love the Garden and they've actually come up with the t- sort of the 10 top trends that they think are going to be big next year. Oh, right. um, quite a lot of them I sort of expected and were already big this year. For example, wild gardens. I feel like wild gardening was like the thing for 2021. Mm-hmm. Like we were all sort of, which is great, like growing our gardens wild and encouraging pollinators uh, as well as things like balcony gardens I feel like that was a big thing this year as well mm. but uh, so they're continuing on to next year 2021 or so they they think um but there are lots of other things that were quite surprising things like tiny gardens which uh, mm. I feel like it's come out of people who have really really small spaces and they're sort of celebrating this by sort of sharing pictures of their really tiny gardens online with the hashtag tiny gardens so that's something to look out for so even if you have a small space that's in at the moment um also things uh permaculture gardens which is sort of like working with uh, nature rather than against it sort of having a sustainable garden um what else and there's things like uh, lots of sort of other designy things as well apparently bringing the inside outside is going to be a big trend Ooh, for example nice. having a rug oh, outside sweet. not quite sure how that'll work like, <laughs> i guess you'd have to remember to sort of bring it in before it rains um but yeah i don't know what you thought about that but definitely i thought they were quite interesting and that sort yeah, of especially so celebrating small spaces i feel like is good like we should definitely be doing that mm. and even the bringing the uh, inside outside thing some people do say treat your garden like an extra 
room in your yeah. house, don't they? So yeah, definitely. I think as, I definitely see the appeal in that, like making your outdoor space somewhere that you want to be mm-hmm. as much as you would want to be inside is quite a nice And yeah. I would thing. also like to say a space that you can use year round because I do think that gardens get very used in the summer you know sitting outside in the sunshine and stuff Mm. but I would certainly say that I don't make the most of it in the winter months so I really want to get a fire pit yeah so that you like you feel like oh that's a reason I'll go outside and sit around the fire pit even though it's freezing cold and dark <laughs> especially because... if you have one of the really big ones and you could get blankets and you could really make it like a really comfy space cozy yeah and mm. one of the other things actually was raised bed gardens now I know a lot of people already have raised beds but I still feel like the traditional sort of vegetable patch rain so it's great that uh lots of people are looking like might get raised bed gardens like all raised beds because they are really helpful like if you struggle with pests or soil conditions or whatever so that's and for not having to bend down so low yeah natalie was singing the praises of raised beds in the interview so i think that's very much backs up what she was saying natalie's leading the trend Mm. right rose i know that you have got some jobs on the plot for us after this If you love to kick back with a cold and refreshing beer at the end of a hard day's work on the plot, then we've got an offer you won't want to miss. The kind people at Beer 52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt and cover the $5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered directly to your doorstep, so no need to leave the house. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. We've been lucky enough to enjoy a case ourselves and the choice and quality of the beers is fantastic. You'll get different beers every time, so you can go on a real voyage of discovery and find your new favourite breweries and beers. So, to claim your eight free craft beers and just cover the $5.95 postage, head to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. That's the word beer followed by the numbers 5 and 2.com forward slash dirt. And now, we will head over to this week's Jobs on the Plot. Your plants should still be producing armfuls of fresh fruits, veggies and herbs at the moment, giving you delicious options for every meal. But don't get too distracted in the kitchen thinking of new ways to use your gluts, as the beginning of autumn is just as important as spring in terms of sowing and planting out. The ground should still be warm enough at the start of September for some last minute summer sowings of quick maturing veg. Think salads, pak choy, mustard and mizuna and radish. It's also time to start crops for overwintering, Broad beans and peas, for example, can be started off either inside in pots or outside from October and will be ready for harvesting in about 25 weeks. So stock up on seeds, pots and soil. Pot up any strawberry runners that you wish to keep for use next year. This will ensure you can benefit from a bumper crop. You should also tidy your strawberry beds, removing any old straw and debris from the ground. Rotten straw and leaves can cause your plants to contract nasty fungal diseases. Even though the fruits can be ready in August, September feels like the start of apple picking season. 
To test whether your apples are ready, try them or look out for windfall. This is another word for fallen apples on the ground around the tree. The fruits will also be a good size, coloured up and should come away easily when cupped and twisted away from the tree. Search online or in books for recipes in case of a glut. If you're planning to store your crop, ensure sheds and storage crates or boxes are clean, tidy and appear to be rodent free. September can be hot, particularly at the beginning of the month, so don't be caught out by a sudden run of searing sun. If it starts heating up, keep on top of watering, as this will keep conditions like blossom end rot at bay. Any spring cabbages started in modules last month should be ready for planting out now. Make sure these and all other brassicas are covered with netting or fruit cages to prevent pigeons from tucking in and spoiling your crop. Autumn onion and garlic sets can also go in the ground now, so prepare the space in advance. Dig in a generous helping of organic matter such as homemade compost or manure. September's a good month for cleaning. As soon as crops are spent and out of their pots, clean their containers thoroughly with a scrubbing brush and a mild disinfectant. Leave pots to dry before stacking them away until needed. Old containers and compost can provide shelter for unwanted pests and diseases. We hope you have a wonderful week, whatever you're up to in the garden or at the allotment. From all of us here at Grow Your Own, happy growing. Thanks again for listening to The Dirt. And don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just $29.99. That's $11.94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note, do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email thedirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.